0: Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm, and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical, a focus episode where I sit down with local leaders to discuss the topics of the day. Uh, I'm I'm having a good old fashioned chat, as I often am, with Miss Megan Zanuck. How are you doing, Megan? Well, I'm fantastic. It's Thursday morning, and I'm fantastic. Yes, and it's and it didn't snow yet today. I don't want to play the weather game, but we're Canadian, so we must touch on it a little bit. Yesterday was that like wake <laughs> up and you're like, are you kidding me? It's snowing outside. That sucks. But such is Calgary. And you own SB Experience. Is this sorry? Is it called SB Experience or just? I know it is just SB. But I'm creeping on your LinkedIn in front of me, so I literally just read it off the off the screen.
1: It is ESPY experience because you feel it. We really want people Mm -hmm. to have an experience in the store. We want it to be really tactile. We want you to feel something. We want you to feel confident. And so the experience is very intentional. And ESPY is actually root of espionage. So it means to catch sight of something or discover something new. And that's what I'm trying to do with all these clients that come in here. Fashion is something that can really change who you are and change how you see yourself. And I'm often helping you discover what that is for you and maybe it's a great fitting pair great fitting pair of jeans or whatever it happens to be an entire new style an entire new look but i want you to discover yourself it's it's more about that than you know discovering the latest fashion because that's pretty much crap. Not everybody can wear everything <laughs> you know and, and I really don't recommend that. Skinny jeans are not for everybody.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's right not a privilege or not even yeah that's oh fantastic. I always again drive by, I've been to your store many times. I had no idea what your the, the, the breakdown was And as a marketer, I love a good backstory or a good origin story. You've been running SP for how long? almost 12 years here. again, I'm just staring at LinkedIn, but you've been uh, you've been at this for quite a while.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, in the industry, Esb has been here for, yeah, this will be, we're going on year 12. And I've been in the industry for, for 10, 15 years before that. So I've always been in fashion. I have really enjoyed what fashion did for me and did for my confidence. In the beginning, it was a bit of an FU kind of thing, like bright orange hair and wide pants, and I can wear whatever I want, and I can match my makeup to my hair, and I could make a real impression walking through the door. And because style, because personality is not the first thing people see until you open your mouth or your resume. <laughs> and obviously, I've softened my style over the years, and I've become a little bit more approachable. But I've always really used fashion to help me feel a certain way. So it's like putting on a suit of armor.
0: That's so interesting. I, I grew up in Montreal, and you and I have talked about, you again, you make lots of trips back there. Are you are you Calgarian? Like, let's not get into the, your, your history and your whole... like. When Actually, you're really from reborn, Prince
1: George, but, but my, my almost my entire family is here. I have a twin sister. She's in the oil and gas game, okay. and my parents are here. My little brother is here. has got Down syndrome, so he's really, really important to me, and that was the reason I ended up in Calgary, was to kind of home is where your family is, mm-hmm. but Montreal is is really where I feel... Most at home in Canada because
0: the fashion that you just described with the bright orange hair and the white bonnet pants—that's just walking down. This, that's just walking downtown. That's just going to the plateau. That's walking on it's Whatever. It's just and no one. It doesn't even attract attention because it's just somebody doing their own thing. Where in Calgary, I feel that might have had a bit more of an impact when you walk down the street with that outfit on.
1: Oh, hundred percent. And I remember visiting when my sister was here, and like literally, I remember being in my sister's wedding, and um, I had bright orange hair at the time, and it was about an inch long, and she made me wear a wink. I was not allowed to be in her wedding photos. Well, no one better than your sister to make that call, right? (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's awesome.
1: That was funny. And even interviewing for jobs, because I decided I didn't want to open up a business and I came to Calgary and I'm like, I'm gonna have a Joe job and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna work for the weekend. And I remember going into interviews, just really put together with hats on and like fabulous outfits that were very business. But everyone was like, uh, who are you? I don't understand what's going on. And it was
0: broken my you've you've broken the matrix in my mind, right? When I moved to Calgary 20 years ago, I had a little bit. I walked down, I went downtown, and I'm like, where's all that? Like, I just, you just take for granted the style. And I mean, it's all just a sense of personal expression that you see in Montreal. Like, you dress up to go to the store. Like, it's just a very different culture than when I moved here. And I feel it's gotten better, quote unquote. And now I'm seeing directly it's because of influence from people like you.
1: Well, and also so many Calgarians travel. Yeah. And when they travel, they get to see and they get that inspiration. And it, it's when you don't have a population that travels and everyone's like, Well, it's okay, I'm just gonna look like Sally next door. Well, that's not really cute. And and unfortunately, you know, in this times of the pandemic and COVID, um, we have changed that a little bit, Tyler. We are seeing a sweatpant resurgence. Oh, and that seems to no, be okay. And and no. I just disagree. <laughs>
0: It's so interesting, as you said that, and we're going to get into this really quickly because we're, we're here to talk about retail and your experience and like obviously COVID and the economy and the things that are happening. I think the last bunch of years, the majority of my clothes shopping has been when I was traveling. I would actually just oh, yeah. wait because I was traveling enough. And you know, every three, four months, my wife and I would go on a trip and it'd be we'd go to Croatia or we'd go to Dublin or we'd go wherever. And even if they weren't fashion centers, you could always find that one store. You'd ask around, they're like, oh, you're looking for that kind of? Go there and you find it. And I got that I wouldn't even shop in town. I would wait, which I know maybe is the negative towards the local retail, but I would wait till I was traveling because I just felt more, I was in a different headspace as well while I was on the road. <laughs>
1: Oh, absolutely. And we do. We get that inspiration. And and we actually have a lot of people from other cities that come and visit us. Lots from Edmonton, Mm. people from Toronto, people from Montreal, even people from Ottawa, people from Vancouver have discovered us once on a business trip and then literally come in twice a year simply to shop. Rent a hotel room, come in to shop because we carry all of those brands. Like, you know, for my tall, slim guy, what I end up doing is bringing in goods from from Amsterdam goods from mm. scandinavia so it's slim fit it's higher armholes. it looks the part for that guy and then for my really mini guys i need to have some italian brands you know and for my my guys with more to love i'm going down i love USA, that you tell you call italians right?
0: little mini guys <laughs> you got a bunch well, of italians that are all pissed off right now you said that
1: <laughs> no but they but they wear everything like in italy like this blouse that i'm wearing i bought it i'm like yes i'm a medium you know why i'm wearing a shirt over top because <laughs> the whole thing is open on the front, because it does not fit my boobs. <laughs> and so like, sometimes oh, it just medium. comes down to the
0: geometry of the situation. Absolutely. I know. Um, well, hey, let's dive into the, what we're here to talk about today. Is the face of retail in in Calgary? And maybe let's let's have let's let's we're gonna have multiple parts. But let's go twelve months ago and talk about where things were at. We've been in a downturn. The economy was suffering. Uh, Oil and gas industry. Obviously, we all know structural changes that just you know we all long for the good old days. What was it like? And then we'll talk about COVID, which I feels is almost its own chapter in the book of our of our podcast today.
1: The book of retail. Yeah. So retail last fall was tough. Uh, we yeah. had had an amazing fall uh, the year before. Spring had been excellent, uh, and we are just we were kind of hoping for a really amazing fall. And it wasn't quite that. It was struggling for every single dollar last fall, right? And but we did it, we did it, we got through it, we've had some big sales, we moved through some merchandise, we felt good about it. People were finally starting to go back to Christmas parties, which we hadn't seen the year before. Like I didn't sell I didn't sell anything dressed up for Christmas parties, which was very unusual for me. And it was I was just like, okay, because people canceled. Why would that big oil and gas company spend $50,000 in their Christmas party when they're laying people off? Yeah, Optically, they looked like jerks for doing that. <laughs> and so, of course, that affected my business. So here I am at the end of 2019 sitting on a bunch of like evening wear and really great velvet jackets for men and going, what am I going to do here? And then spring came around and people's wallets started to open and the city started to feel a little, bit, a little bit better. We launched our shoe program. We had a Brazilian party. I had a bunch of samba dancers and thongs in here and it was great with big wings on. And everybody really started to feel it, and we went, Yes. But then there was this creepy thing, you know? There was this creepy thing behind going, Oh, but there's this thing happening in other parts of the world. And well, and I never expected it. And I have a I have a financial gal and she's really in tune. And she says, Give us a month. And I said, No way. And was I ever shocked that it actually came to us? And that we said, Hey, we're closing our borders and we're shutting things down. And oh, by the way, we're shutting down your business. Right. It was just like, what do you mean you're shutting down my business? Like I literally had to have this contingency plan and figured how I could do everything. And it was like constant planning all the time already to come from a really a crap season in retail. And I think that that's really what was really tough about it is it wasn't like I was sitting on loads of cash, which usually is what happens at the end of December because Christmas had just been okay, you know, so I'm not sitting on a load of cash and then suddenly being asked to close my business. And it was a really, really, really scary time. Like before the government assistant came in, I had to throw a hundred grand in between this and this and where I could move this money and do this. Like it was all about the big shuffle, we'll call it, Yeah, you know, in order shuffle. to, in order to keep, um, in order to stay, stay afloat.
0: So interesting. And from like, let's talk about e-commerce. Let's talk about like, again, I own a marketing company. So we just worked from home. Like We were minorly disrupted. Of course, there was bigger consequences and things. But the idea of like, no, our doors were closed, but we could pivot. We just took our computers and we were good to go. So different than for your own environment where, it, like you said early on, it was all about the experience, getting people in, feel it, touch it, like. It, discover themselves. It's hard to do that online. <laughs> I, well, I, I can't do that online. Let's just say that.
1: <laughs> I was so resistant to online, right? So I've tried e-com. I put a couple things up there and up until a few months ago, what you could buy on the SB com before COVID was gift cards. Right. Why? <laughs> yeah. Cause I wanted your butt in here. I wanted to tell you, I don't think you know what you're buying. I'm like, no, Tyler, this is what you need. I'm the one that knows. And I wanted you to have that experience. And as you said, it's so difficult with a model turning online and like oh here and let me get close and of course I couldn't compete with it so I sell someone something and I have to have allow free returns now I don't have to allow free shipping I'm not Amazon but someone buys something and then they return it and even without the free shipping and all that it costs me depending on the price at least three and a half percent for that transaction right so it's just like thanks Mary you bought something you returned it and it cost me 12 bucks well that sucks so how many Mary's are going to return something and how many 12 bucks are going to add up So we really had to go, okay, what can we do online? How can we transform that experience online? And it took me a few months to figure it out. Like we started with kind of virtual consultations. We sold gift cards online, that kind of thing. But it became really weird walking around with a phone in the store trying to show whatever customer, here's what you can buy. And A, nobody needed anything. Yeah, because everybody's some- sw-
0: back to the sweatpants. Uh, the, oh, I don't want to even think about that. But yeah, that's the that- reality. That became your that become your your armor below the Zoom. Like as long as you had a caller on Zoom, you were good. The rest really didn't matter.
1: Oh, and people weren't even using callers. Like I've got a a lawyer that came in and she's like, "Oh, we've moved to the country. We bought a place. We never leave the home. I'm not allowed in the office until they have a vaccine." And I'm like, "You buy ten thousand dollars of suits for me a year." Yeah. <laughs> oh, such- <laughs> So no, it's like, so congratulations. interesting. It, it, it congratulations, but hmm. crap. <laughs> how is
0: it with, because obviously you serve, you, you, you service both men and women. Uh, you, you and I chatted before about, you know, men buy when they need things, you know, women may be different. How have, have you seen a, has there been a divergence of that in terms of how each group has acted or is it been kind of, is it kind of similar just as like consumer behavior?
1: Consumer behavior is interesting. The men don't come in unless they absolutely need something. So this summer we sold, cause we opened the first day that we could on uh, May 14th. Mm-hmm. I really believed it was my responsibility to get my staff back working. It was my responsibility to open the store. And I was actually open almost a month before the neighborhood of Inglewood was because they were smaller businesses. They don't have as much people to plan. We could be in 7,000 square feet. I can have tons of people in here and be socially distant. So we opened on that day and tried to service that customer immediately. Women were the ones coming in. Women were like, oh, lipstick effect. Just a little top's going to make me feel better. And I've put on the COVID-19, so I really (laughs) need some new jeans. So that was working. Whereas men were like, yeah, well, maybe it's of shorts. And they were being dragged in (laughs) here by their wives who were tired of seeing those hideous cargo shorts that they frickin' fricked the garage in. And that was really the only thing that happened for men. I'll tell about okay? my
0: wife, I have a pair that my wife hates. So yes, I'm laughing because she's you know like, what Don't, I mean, you're not you allowed can... to leave the house with those goddamn cargo shorts on.
1: Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> we were really seeing that. So consumer behavior where I was kind of 60, 40, okay. men, ladies, men. Then I was like, seven, I was 80, 20 in the first little bit. And then I kind of were 70, 30. And right now I'm sitting at about 65, 35. The only reason that men is 35 is because I'm selling, I'd say 10% of that is women, buying androgynously, lesbians, um, it is crazy. It, I've l- literally been developing new markets for menswear because I have no choice. And it happened by happy accident where I, I, helped, a, I helped a lesbian and she was like, I have never had an experience like this in my life because I have a full-time tailor here. So I can shorten everything. I can make her look amazing. And she'd been going to places like Harry Rosen trying to get a suit for her wedding. And they're just like, we don't do that.
0: Of course. yeah, and like literally, oh, I, I, I the woman's that. got a gold that's card. That's a good. That's a good story on so many levels.
1: <laughs> you know, it's like she's got a gold card. So then she came in and spent five thousand dollars and went. Then she brought in her partner, and then she wrote me a nine-page report about the lesbian in Calgary, the super butch lesbian, the regular butch lesbian, the femme, the sports softball girl, and I was just like, really. All of these are the lessons. So lesbians. she basically
0: did the persona. She created a persona, like a group of customer profiles for you.
1: She absolutely did. And she's based we on we the fact that she actually market. sees
0: an under and cares about her community.
1: <laughs> and cares about her community. So we held an event for them a couple of weeks ago, had to turn people away because I only could have 24 people in the store so that everybody felt safe with COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's been unbelievable. And then that's been like turning, 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 turning. Whereas every week someone's coming in and going, oh, I heard about that event and I didn't know you could do that. And oh my God. So that's so why my men's sales have actually creeped up because it's not more men coming in. It's more women shopping menswear.
0: So your, your your graph of sales down the road is going to start to have more, there's more categories uh, by default. Yeah, exactly.
1: And androgynous is becoming a category that we're trying to work within as well too. And things that I never thought I could touch. So you really need to be innovative to do that. But there is a difference between male and female consumer behavior in a pandemic The men are buying Ford F-150s, okay, and Home Depot trips. And the women are going, I would feel really nice with a little something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which
0: you don't need to unpack that much further to go. Yeah, I, feel, I get it. Curious. Yeah. You're, obviously you're involved with, in the community across Canada. What are you seeing happening in other networks? I'm just always curious. So like, how does Calgary compare to what's maybe going on in Montreal or Toronto or, or maybe even rural Quebec, rural Ontario? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the rural communities seem to be doing a little bit better. So I hear a lot from, from, um, from other reps. And, and if you are in, you know, Lloyd Minster, there's very little COVID scare. So okay. those shops are up around 75% of where they are. I don't know of any main, City retailer in Canada that is above fifty okay. percent, right now, simply because we just don't ha- we're not making the big sales, right? So you think about a suit. A suit is eleven hundred dollars, right? I'm not selling any suits, so yeah. transaction values go way down when you're not selling the big items. My blazers for women at five hundred dollars, nobody's buying that right now, but mm. they might buy. Okay. So I've had to replace some of those items now with a four hundred dollar cashmere sweater. So that I can still keep the price point up, so that I can keep my average invoice transaction up. But I don't know anyone in a major city—Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, uh, Toronto, Montreal, right. Quebec City—they're above fifty percent. The rural is doing better in retail because they simply haven't been hit as hard. But it's specific categories of goods, and menswear is hit much harder, and especially if your brand is based around suiting, like Harry Rosen, like we yeah. had Ernest File, we've had people from like Ernest File 32 menswear stores in Quebec all the way down to Dynamite and Garage filing with 400 locations across Canada, the super, super, super low end. So we really are seeing the people that have any success in that service. And also local, I think that's becoming really, really important. That people really want okay. to support local.
0: Okay, interesting. I was curious the local landscape. Obviously, I'm assuming you're involved with other business owners. Let's just even talking about Inglewood. What's the vibe in the community that you're seeing, or other like you're being really creative and finding different ways to really provide an amazing like your brand promise, which is customer experience. And individual talking about the lesbian market. What other what are you hearing from other businesses? Is it, is it coming back? Are people making that effort to get out and put those few dollars into play and support their local their local businesses? The, the real well, we're
1: seeing stores like Plant in Inglewood doing an unbelievable job they just seem to have the right thing at the right time you look outside that store on saturday sunday there is a lineup and you will wait half an hour to pick up your plants Hmm. we see stores like stash uh the knitting store basically a recession-proof business literally with lineups out the door so that people can entertain themselves they did so well during covid we see um, businesses like the apothecary down the street which is making all sorts of neat little you know smelly stuff and handmade stuff and people making their own soap and she's doing amazing she's just expanded so mm-hmm. there are some really amazing um, success stories depending on what you're selling. And I think that that's really where people need to understand and people do need to make the effort to go online. So anyone that already had a backdoor business, plant, uh, apothecary, anyone that had a big online retail already, they've continued to be strong. And it's really forced every other small retailer to say, what can I do online? How can I do this online? And it's really forced me as well to look at e-com completely differently.
0: I do again always looking always wanting to look for the positives you know we took the changes and we took a trends trends that were happening anyways and just literally accelerated them like whether it's 5 years in 5 months or you know a quarter felt like a year there's all kinds of different like comparisons but there were so many things that we were slowly moving that way it just literally things that seemed impossible all of a sudden seemed possible to, literally 24 hours later because of covid it's really
1: incredible Absolutely and and that's what's been happening with ecom so this appears, literally, I follow a, I follow a gal, a retailer in Toronto, and and it goes into my junk mail. A couple weeks later, I'm flipping through. You know, you're like, oh, let me just see if anything interesting is in here. And, you know, she was showing this software called Arbucks, and it was a video shopping technology, and it was a video of her walking around the store, and everything that she held up, it had, because it had, she has a massive online store, and it would show below the video. And I was like, well, that's cool. That is pretty cool. So I call up the guy, okay? <laughs> he ends up being a young developer living up in Muskoka. This is, you know, what they did, they set this up as a software to track. So they wanted an influencer to say, you know, Tyler's the influencer and Tyler's going to use this and we're going to track Tyler passing this all on and Tyler's going to get a percentage. But what they figured out was consumers do not behave that way. If I authentically want to tell Tyler, Tyler, you need this. I don't want 10% for that. That feels, hmm, it doesn't feel good.
0: No, you're right, it doesn't. That's funny you say that. It it feels a bit dirty.
1: (laughs) It feels a bit dirty. But the video shopping was like, whoa. So I meet up with a guy in Toronto and it was just so funny because I've literally stalked him on the internet just like you. And I was asking him questions. He's like, how did you know I have a twin brother? I'm like, dude, I Googled you. What do you (laughs) think?
0: (laughs) We're all professional creepers. It's all right there. It's just a couple (laughs) of keystrokes away.
1: (laughs) You know, and I said, this is how you can use this technology. I said, I want short videos. So I want my client, Tyler, I'm going to send him all these new, R two shirts came in for you, Tyler. Tyler can sh- immediately shop from the video, literally click, click, click goes in his in, in his shopping cart. I check over and go, okay, Tyler, here's the size you actually are because I'm the one that's got the file on you. And then we're doing online sales. So we went, huh. And then we were able to sell things we didn't even actually have in the store. So with a brand like Iris at La Cue, we don't carry the whole line because it's really expensive and whatever. But I was able to be in her showroom, do a video and then have my customers buy from their stock. It was epic. So that was $3,000 in a day. And I went, this works. And so that's amazing. That's a true, that's a true omni-channel
0: experience. You're like, as the customer, I'm immersed, I'm getting concierge and I'm getting digital. Like, I love how that all layers together to actually, as a customer, I'm like, you just made my life way better.
1: (laughs) And then there's no returns because the reality is, is I'm checking Mm oh, I don't know, Sue, this really isn't the style for you. So I let her know. I'm like, actually, Sue, this style would be better. And I can resend out some images and resend out. But I'm actually talking to the customer directly or I'm talking to a group of customers that have something in common. So, you know, whether they're buying this brand or they're buying that brand. And that's where I went into e-com and said, this is possible. So now literally I've got four people on wage subsidy working on e commerce and marketing before I had one. But now that I have wage subsidy, I'm like, well, Justin... I'm going to do this. So I'm literally putting everything.
0: I love to hear that being put to work.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I'm putting everything in as fast as I possibly can. So the outfit I'm wearing today, for example, we're going to have my Instagram girl come in and she's going to literally shop from Instagram and it's going to go right on e-com and we're going to try that so that everything is shoppable, everything we can work with. And that's something that we've never done before. But it's it's actually working. So, but it and takes fifteen minutes. And in the, in in to the get long run,
0: that could actually expand your because now all of a sudden geography borders like ten minute driving, none of that matters anymore because your no. customer can literally be anywhere.
1: Yeah, and I didn't think that I could talk to my local customers, and that was my big thing. I'm a local business, but yeah. I didn't think I could talk to my local customers. But because some of them don't want to leave their homes, or they have someone who's you know could be very susceptible in their in their circle, they need me to do this for them. So this has forced me to go online, forced me into e e-com. And I found a way that works for me, that I can get that experience across on their phone, in their hand. And so the video shopping has been amazing. But now I'm constantly, I'm spending two hours a day filming. Like, <laughs> so I have to work for two more hours. It, it, cha- it
0: completely, yeah, it, cha- it changes the whole what you do and kind of what your core competency. But I love how you just, you, fa- you found a way to use technology and adapt to the environment to still deliver your value. Like you didn't change your value proposition. You just found technology that allows you to deliver it. I think that's really, that's powerful. No, we still are who we are and we still care about what we care about. We just have to do it differently than we did before.
1: Yeah, exactly. And exactly. a lot of people are like, I got to
0: completely change my business. You're, you completely change your business while still doing the same thing you did before, just with tech. That's a pretty cool story. I, I love that because a lot of people are very frustrated with like, I'm being forced to change my business. Or are you being forced to recreate how you deliver against your value proposition? Because that is still what makes you you. That's pretty well, cool.
1: That's, and if you don't have a value proposition, if you were just that store, because there are stores that just open up and say, oh, I'm in a really busy mall. People are just going to walk in and they're going to yeah. buy stuff. Consumers at this point don't do that. They're really caring where their dollars are. And brand has never f-
0: mattered like it matters now. And brand <laughs> connection, affinity. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. And it's this immersive experience that people are looking for because it's really easy to click and buy this this green sweater online if that's what I want. What they're coming to me for is the experience, the feeling, the fun event, all of those kind of things. So we really had to do that. We've even had to do, we're really big with community uh, charity work too. Like I've raised over $350,000 over the years for local charities. Always, always local. It's really important to me that the money we raise stays in Calgary where it's used. And what could I do this year? So here I am the, you know, we did, we raised $15,000 to the women's emergency shelter last year by auctioning off some denim parties. And they were so concerned. They're like, Megan, that's really not a good enough gift. You know, we do these big trips to Tuscany. Well, mine was bid on. I had to sell it three times (laughs) So I was the the prize that made the most money at the live auction. So this year I was all excited to do it again. We just launched footwear and then suddenly that gets shut down. And what can we do instead? Again, pivot. I set up an online auction. They send it to their database. I raised $7,500 for them in, in three days be with an online auction because people wanted to support. And I'm still able to do that. So we need to pivot in every single way to continue to support the community because the women's shelter is something that's needed even more now. You know, so yes. we've got one going yes. on for prostate cancer right now—a whiskey and, and wardrobe experience, and whiskey tasting—and that's what we have to do. We have to continue to pivot to give our value proposition. And community is so massive for me that I can't just, in this time of need, I can't just pull back from the community.
0: Those associations, those groups, need—they—they they need the support more than ever. It's so interesting you talk to them, and they're also the groups that have been dealt with the last five years of not being Calgary not being as fluid <laughs> as it once was from a cash perspective. <laughs>
1: Exactly. So now is the time and, and we need to be really innovative about how we do things. And, I, and I'm and i happy that I've been forced to do it. I'm happy that I've been forced into the e world because I was really trying to be like, no, 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 where does this experience? But now that there's a way to get me and my personality and my energy into your hand, into your phone, that makes sense for me. It, and and I can I'm I'm easy on video. If we, can, yeah, no if we can bottle
0: Megan if we can bottle this, what can we do?
1: Well, people That's always told me you, that so, I'm yeah. that I'm the product, and it's pissed me off because I'm like, no, no, I'm selling clothes, and I'm I want to build experience. it big. Yeah, of
0: course. And yeah. I
1: need to be bigger than just one person in the shop. But at this point, I can amplify that, and I can go bigger and bigger and bigger. And so the ideas just keep tumbling down. At this point, I was approached to do. I was filmed for a television show called influencers and now they want they want to pitch a 12 uh, a, actually a 24 piece kind of netflix style what not to wear but megan works with you know confidence and and we That's can break awesome. it off into yes. eight little episodes. Because everyone's so-
0: sitting at home dreaming about when they can wear things again in, in in certain environments, as we will. It will, it will slowly come back, I hope. But um, hey, you mentioned a little bit about wage subsidy. What's what's been your experience? I guess there's federal, what the federal government has done, maybe what our local municipality has done, good, bad, to help local businesses retail. What's been your experience from like let's talk about let's talk about the government side of the equation of running a business?
1: Well, I mean, the government, it's so important, right? I have a, I have a colleague in, in Cornwall and she's, her husband is, um, I think he's an MP, and she was asked to speak to the government in front of Parliament. And this is a couple of months ago and asked about wage subsidy. And they said, Christine, how long do you think this is going to have to last? And she said, well, there's no consumer confidence. How long is COVID going to last? You really need us to survive. I'm already cut in half. As far as that, I think it is our responsibility as business owners to use the wage subsidy and to use the help and to get people back and off of the system. I think what's happened is is that many, many, many businesses have continued to cheat the system, and I have seen like I've heard all sorts of things like text messages going back. I've got a girlfriend who who used to work for a hair salon in Montreal, literally on group chat, telling people, you know, we're only going to place you so you make a thousand dollars a month, so you can stay on the weight on the serb. Well, that's cheating the system. You know what I mean? Yeah, it kind of abuses it forever. It abuses it and it's not fair. And that's where I think we're going to see a lot of that kind of regulate itself when uh, our little auditing team from the government gets in there. But the wage subsidy, although a bit complicated when you first look at it, once you've done it a couple times, is, com- is so easy to do. And now mm-hmm. it's getting even better because they're having you average over a month because my August wasn't horrid compared to the previous August. But I know it, you- was, it
0: was tricky the way they just had the different parameters and which one was actually going to work for you. Got to exactly. Work
1: you so yeah. we really have kind of figured that out and what percentage, but it's been awesome for me because I've been able to hire, like I have hired my mother. We've sold 600 masks, okay, since we opened. And my mother has designed this one that's like 3D and it doesn't fog up your glasses and it's super easy. So I have her on wage subsidies, sewing them because Absolutely. she's got to stay in Canada this year. She can't go to Portugal like she usually does. So her vacation is going to cost three times as much. So mm-hmm. she's so excited to get a paycheck. And then I'm so excited that I can provide this service for my clients that need a great mask, that need all of these kind of things. So I've been using it to the absolute fullest extent. I've rehired people. Uh, I've taken people that were on contracts and moved them on to salary. In the, some terms, that means they get benefits. Because I kept everybody on benefits, even when we were fully laid off and fully closed for those two months. I just yeah, felt we, it was, we, again, we, my responsibility.
0: We did, the, we did the same. It just was that little gesture that you could still do.
1: <laughs> yeah, that you could still do. So those are the kind of things. I mean, the government programs are necessary. I mean, the, the rent has been massive. I mean, I've got such a great landlord. And um, so I'm really, really lucky. But I just, I see, I hear of other businesses where their landlords are jerks and they didn't want to go with the program from the government. They didn't want to do this. They didn't want to do that. And we need to support each other in this kind of environment and we need the government to support what we're doing. And I know our kids and our kids and the kids and the kids are all going to be paying for this. I understand that, but I don't think there's a way to step back from that now. I mean, and we don't even know what's going to happen on retail and the people that aren't accessing the programs, I think they're doing themselves a disservice. For example, I could have as a business owner been on SERB for $2,000 a month, but I could be on wage subsidy for 2,800. So I was able to get that extra 800 which means that I can still pay this and I can still pay that. So people weren't thinking about, they were like, well, this is easier. I'll just sign up and I'll be on EI or, or on the SERB." But that wasn't the easiest and that wasn't the best thing for them or their business. So I versus really- Versus staying
0: actively engaged in your business where you actually then have the opportunity to be creative and come up with new solutions versus literally sitting on the
1: sidelines. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that too many people sat on the sidelines allowed their- Allowed their staff to sit on the sidelines and to stay on CERB and to stay, and and they only paid them a thousand dollars. And now things are kind of crazy because you've got to see it in our supply chain. You can completely see who is using the wage subsidies properly and who just is like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, fire as many people as I can and hire back. Gene suppliers in the east that used to take three days to ship, three weeks to ship.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Um, Simply you know, because I, I, they
0: just they don't have the t- they don't have this they're not, they're understaffed.
1: They're understaffed because these guys are going well. What if? What if? What if? So they haven't hired everybody back. They haven't used the wage subsidy in the way that they should be, and so it's actually affecting their service to me. Like the supply chain has been so messed up because of every depending on how greedy everybody is in the level, and <laughs> yeah, it, and that's really what it is. We need to be generous as business owners. Going okay, it's going to hurt a little bit. All right, it's going to be a little bit more work. But I have to, and I have this responsibility as a business owner, versus the people going, oh, okay, well, how can I keep as much money in my pocket, and how can I protect myself? Everybody needed to give a little bit in order for the government programs to work. So it's the generosity of each individual business owner and how they feel about community and socialism, I think, that mm. actually is, is who's using the programs properly.
0: Oh, that's an interesting assessment. I haven't heard anyone break it down that way. That's very interesting because you have such an opportunity as a business owner to be influential and to touch multiple people's lives, not only your customers, but the people that rely on you to kind of keep pushing and kind of have the, keep the faith If, if, if to oversimplify it.
1: To keep the faith. Yeah. And I mean, we had to go into, we had to go to the BDC and I had to get a quarter million dollar loan and that was like, oh my God. Ugh. And you know, <laughs> who wants to take another loan when I've just expanded and I'm still paying off another loan and all this kind of stuff going seriously, but I really had no choice. And what I've been able to do now is not even use all the loan, but continue to put money aside, put money aside, put money aside. I've also used this opportunity of having this loan to be able to prepay for goods. And then also, for example, get prepayment discounts that I wasn't able to get before. So to protect myself. Leveraging,
0: yeah. Leveraging up your cash, absolutely.
1: Yes. Leveraging who's got the money, who's paying quickly. And that was something that was also really, really important to me. I made a deal with all of my suppliers when we went into COVID because I owed everybody money. Who didn't? you know, um, to get them all paid off. And I think that that's where we also needed to use the government programs to the best extent to make sure that we're paying people properly, to make sure that there's still a chain and a way to get things done. Because some people just screwed everybody over and they didn't care. And oh no,
0: the, the being opportunistic is very risky. because, But people have a long memory too. So there's always, nothing's ever free. Nothing is absolutely. ever free.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I had two suppliers and that was equal to hundreds of thousands of dollars of business that I used to buy from them that I will no longer do business with based yeah, on how they behave. And, the, and
0: there's the short, like that's the short game, the, vi- the infinite versus the finite game, right? They were playing a finite game. You're playing an infinite game.
1: <laughs> I, I really am because I know that the brand that's important is not the, that denim brand. It's the brand that's on my door and that's where i want to continue to keep giving to the community to keep being that that icon that says hey we're here to in this together and how can we work in a way that's going to be helpful for all of us because you can't just expect me to keep giving 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 people need to give back you know and that's what we're really mm-hmm. starting yep. to see now
0: yeah which is I did, and I love Calgary because it is the biggest small town I've ever lived in, and there is that sense of community and sense I of supporting feel it each other. Too. And I've seen some I, amazing things. Like I loved it for that, anyways. And COVID, I think it showed up really well. And I want to. I of course I'm going to say better than other places because I'm I'm Calgary biased.
1: <laughs> I, I'm Calgary biased too. I've never thought yeah. that I would really enjoy living in Calgary. I came here as yeah. a well, my family's all here and I have built a beautiful business and a beautiful network and I have the support of the community and I really, really enjoy living here. And I love that there's an international airport so I can jump off wherever I need to because that was really Yes, it's a great to city
0: me. to travel from. It's pretty easy yes. to go just about anywhere when, yeah. when we could, but that, that again will come back.
1: <laughs> that will come back. And, and I never stopped traveling actually. It was really interesting to finally see our Canada putting some PR money behind. They had a bunch of PR specialists and news people on Instagram yesterday and they flew them to Vancouver and they fed them all good food and they showed them all all of the sanitation procedures and everything, I never stopped traveling. Now, of course, I couldn't tell people that I did that because at the beginning, people thought that this was all coming from traveling, which now they're figuring out is coming from just breathing on each other and in faces. spaces. Um, and it's just to show that they, Air Canada did such a great job of making me feel safe and and making it pandemic proof. And I've never had a better experience traveling on a plane I since had that, COVID.
0: I traveled. I flew back from Toronto the week before COVID happened. And it was your traditional nightmare oversold gong show Friday yes. night flying back from Toronto. And then I flew to Montreal. I, My wife and I traveled quite a bit doing it as well, in which she had to be careful who you told because that really had an adverse reaction yes. for people. But now I was inside Canada okay. and I just was in Victoria a couple weeks ago. I was out on the Island and, Traveling was amazing. Like yeah. it was, I've never, I've never enjoyed traveling more. Exactly. <laughs> security is top notch. You flow through the airport. I was back and forth out of Montreal versus Montreal airport can be an absolute insanity <laughs> gong show. Like a two-hour line is not a big deal, and we just strolled right up to security. It was
1: amazing. Oh yeah, it's been, it's been <laughs> so really. please, really people,
0: and it's safe, and they treat you well, and you have to wear your mask on the plane, which is zero big deal. Like get out there and travel locally if you can. I, I, I think it's no, there's never been a safer time. I might but, get some hate mail for that, but I'm okay with that. I, I,
1: I but I completely agree with. You And I've been able to continue to run my business. So for example, this weekend, there's a sweater sample sale. I was in Montreal, I happened to be there when they were one of my biggest suppliers was having a big sample sale. And I went in and I just grabbed two rolling rocks. I'm like, yes. And then now it's going to be minus whatever this weekend and everyone needs sweaters. And there's also a lack of product in the market.
0: The consumer
1: doesn't seem to understand that the supply chain was closed for two months. <laughs> so yeah, well, all over the world. I don't care no, where th- this you're this whole facing. like, I can't
0: wait to go back to normal and I'm not going to say new normal, but normal is like, that's a fantasy. Be like, oh, we go back to the office. It'll be like it was. I'm like, no, it won't be like that. It'll be different. Not that it's going to be bad, but we're we, we are so, I think humans are great at romanticizing the past <laughs> and not necessarily dealing with the realities of the moment. Oh, yeah. remember when it was amazing. I'm like, that's not going to be like that for a long time again.
1: But let's look at post pandemic 1918. Okay. So let's look at the roaring 20s and everyone just. <laughs> everyone just. freaking out what have they been through first world war then they're then they're then they're jumping in and they get a pandemic for a year and a half two years they're just like everybody's dying so then fashion became really exciting it made a big switch it changed we can hope Tyler that that's going to happen to fashion we can hope that fashion Mm -hmm. will become fun again because we're going to be so ready to get out there the other option is we just stay in leisure suits. <laughs> so I mean, oh, let's just like, see what happens. I don't happens. like option
0: two, Megan. I'm not. I'm not down. I'm not down with that.
1: <laughs> I'm not either. I think it's really important that you know we we continue to support and get crazy and get fun because it, those are the things that we remember. It's the events that we remember, and it's all of that kind of cool stuff. And it's not sitting around in sweatpants. And so hopefully, fashion changes. But we don't know what's going to happen. Is the men's suit dead? Hmm. Right. We don't know. We really don't know. I mean, from what I've heard from my European suppliers, um, specifically about Italy. So if in Italy, if you wore sweatpants before pandemic, you're wearing sweatpants now. But if you were wearing a suit and tie before the pandemic, you're back in a suit and tie now. You're back to your kind of same level of dressing. Okay. Whereas I think in North America, we've just taken a step down and we've kind of stayed down there.
0: You know what I mean? Well, um, even moving from east to west, like there was a level of casual dress here in Calgary at the like an office environment or just professional dress that was very different than what I experienced in Montreal. And so Calgary already, I found, was a little bit more on the casual side. Yes, there's lots yes. of guys that dress well, so I don't want to say that. But compared to Montreal, which is just more of a, there's the standard of style was a little bit higher. The expectation of style, whatever personal expression. So if it, is it all bringing that down, and where will it go back up or not? Because sometimes people get lazy a little bit. Let's be honest. Yeah,
1: they <laughs> put really a little effort do.
0: in, you feel better, but it takes more. It takes more energy.
1: It takes more energy. But what I've been trying to do with ESPY over the years is really show how good you can feel when you look good. Isn't it awesome when you get a great compliment? How, you know, shoulders back, tits <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, like, let's just, you know, <laughs> let's see what we can do when we feel like that. And that's why we want to people feel that way. So, and especially in a pandemic when people are having to take on more. And like we're saying, the people that are working are working more and more and more and more and more. So I really want to give them their suits of armor to go out there and continue to kick ass and take names, but we're doing it a little different way. So with women's, it's all soft suiting. So it's a blazer that feels like a cardigan, you know, and she's putting it on and she feels great on her zoom call or, you know, going into the office two days a week. Those are the kind of things that we're having to switch over. So that suit of armor becomes a little bit more feels the way her sweatpants did, because that's how people have been dressing. And we need to keep that feeling there for them. So they feel the comfort and the coziness. Because a pandemic is a scary time. We don't know what's going to happen. We just, we don't know. You know, and putting putting back
0: on those fitted pants I have upstairs, they're not as comfortable as they were before because I have been wearing jeans for like six months at home. Like, it's amazing. I put them on, I'm like, oh, wow, what's going on here? And I I don't, maybe it's because I have a few pounds. I don't think that's the case, but the scale looks the same, but the pants just don't feel as comfortable because you get trained on wearing something else. That's funny. There is just even the psychology around how it feels. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. And that's why, I mean, you'll have a (laughs) woman come in here and she tells me she says, tied 28 jean. And I hand her a size 32. And she's like, well, And I'm like, oh no, these fit really small. But here's the thing about this woman. She's a nurse. She wears scrubs and she wears sweatpants and Lululemon. So she does not know her size anymore because she has no skinny pants like you're talking about to test if she's put on a pound or two.
0: (laughs) Which we don't want to look, we don't want to address that head on either. We want to come around that a little bit. (laughs) Oh, I love being human. We're so crazy and interesting at the same time.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And everybody has their quirks. And, but I think that it's important to, take pride in yourself as a human. We're not slobs. We are, we need to really take pride in. And that's what sometimes gets missing when we show up in sweatpants everywhere, when we think it's okay. Because the people that are not dressed in sweatpants and the people that are really doing well are going to show that. And we need to see them. We need to see them that way. We need to see their style. We need to see what that is. And I definitely, even though I'm trying to be all open and I definitely do judge someone when they show up in sweatpants, you know, I'm just like, okay, really? You just bought a pair of three hundred dollars shoes, but did you look in the mirror before you left the house today? And how is that? Well, okay? you're in a unique
0: position. It's kind of your role to be that person and to be like, "Well, you know what? Someone's got to tell you, so it's going to be me."
1: Oh, I know, but I usually wait a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I usually wait uh, until we're having a conversation, and then we're like, "So, you know, did uh, these pants are great? They feel just like sweatpants. Do you want to try them on?" <laughs>
0: uh, the art of rapport and candor, <laughs> or false rapport and the danger, the danger of it. Um, any thoughts on predictions for retail? And I know that's a broad statement to just drop out there. You've talked a lot about you, things are changing. Obviously, things are changing.
1: Need uh, to have a great you know, e platform. Need to have nice. great customer connection. But <clears throat> we're really going to see, um, I think, December. I think a lot of retailers are holding on until December. Yeah. I have a couple of uh, friends of mine that own retail shops here in Calgary that, that have leases coming up. So they're, they're out shopping. There's no yeah. deals yet, Tyler. Everyone still wants $30 a square foot. I You're know, like, it's what? ridiculous.
0: Are you kidding we've me? Got, and we've got more square footage. I know retail has been holding the line. Wow. Man, if you look at Calgary, just as in general, like the amount of the amount of empty space we have. Yeah, And I'm exactly. assuming retail is going to quickly become that same you'll, kind of graveyard. You'll,
1: you'll go up to Aspen Landing. This was the, the, the conversation that my, my girlfriend was having with her shop. And they say, we've got three stars to show you. You get up there with the agent, and he's like, there's actually eight. Because there's three mm-hmm. that are actually open, and then there's there's five not paying their bills. Right. So The, the, the re the renter, the, the landlords are kind of seeing it and going, Hmm, how can we do this? But I think end of December, people are going to try and last till Christmas. They're going to try and get everything out. They can, and you can really see who is continuing to do business. For example, I go into some retailers and even in Montreal on, on Mount Royal street, it was like this. It was like, they still had spring and summer goods. It's October. I still have spring and summer goods. I got stuck with 15 rolling racks. It is hidden away. Tyler, I turned this whole store into fall because yep. I can't be showing that. And so people are still showing spring and not taking in fall goods and not showing continuation of business. Yeah. That that's a kind sign. of, that's the sign. And we're really seeing that with certain retailers. So if they don't have any fall goods in it's you need to be nervous and needed to support them because they need, they're clearly thinking about how they're going to continue forward. So I think we're going to see a massive exodus at the end of December. I think it really depends on what stage of life you're at. Uh, my partner's 59 and he's in um, the supply business uh, for, for clothing, but for men's, tailored goods so he's screwed you know what i mean yeah. and he's also 59 so it's like he's like do i want to slug this out for another six years yeah right whereas i'm 45 so i'm like i got 20 years let's do this let me take the loan let me do all this kind of stuff not everybody wants to take on that risk you know when the government points it out we've been really surprised that not a lot of people are using this and not a lot of people are using this um and there's a reason for it and it's because they people are going well why would i borrow more money why would i take a loan like what's the point if I'm just going to shut down my operation. well, Where right, you are at the cycles
0: of life, I think has a lot to do with that. You can't yes. underestimate that because it's still we're still a bunch of humans having, having a, a business experience.
1: A- absolutely, absolutely. But we will mm. see massive fallout in retail by the end of December. People are going to try and last to December because that's usually a really nice juicy month. And yep. we will see, and the people that will continue have to have support of their suppliers. If you look at Matt, if you look at, so I went into COVID o- owing $350,000, okay? Now take me one little store, right? Now would go to someone like, Holt Renfrew or Harry Rosen and multiply that by a hundred or a thousand, you know, and they need to have, their suppliers need to support them or they cannot continue to do business. So it's a combination of government support, but also supplier support. And we need to have, what are the chains? And those are the relationships we need to nurture. And it's been really interesting to watch that. And I really recommend to anyone in a retail business, know who your supplier friends are, make deals and go forward so that, and stop lying to each other. You know, stop yeah, stop, the, stop
0: pretending that everything was shiny and good, right? That's
1: the, that's the thing, right? Yeah. But of course, everyone wants to get paid, right? So if you go into the pandemic and you're on the supplier side and you're owed a million dollars, you've got to tell you, of course, I'm shipping you fall. Of course, I'm shipping you fall and try and get as much money as you can. And then by mid-October, your a retailer look looking at you and going, you're not shipping fall, right? Because retailers are saying, well, I'm going to pay the guy that's shipping and not pay the guy who's not shipping because he's course. going out of business. Yeah. But everybody still needs to get cash and everyone still needs to get paid. You know, so it's been interesting to see how different businesses and different levels of business, we're Mm going to see a lot of squeezing at that supplier side, I think. A lot of the small guys that were dealing, you know, one and two man operations, they just don't have the business anymore. And we're going to see really squeezing of certain categories of goods, specifically really dressy. If you're in evening gowns right now, sorry. If you're Uh, in men's suits right now, evening gowns,
0: suits, I'm hearing loud and clear, yeah.
1: You know, these are the kind of things that we're really going to see issues. And then also we need to really diversify what we're doing on the floor and giving people things that they need. You know what I mean? So I never would carry sweatpants. Come over, Tyler. I got some sweatpants for you. <laughs> Meeting
0: your customer where they are and then bringing them a little bit into different areas and kind of stretching them. But yeah, I was to stretching them, no pun intended. And trying
1: to do that online too because you know if you're a size large sweatpant or a medium, there's going to be a lot less returns that way. So I'm trying to protect myself with my e-com by A, doing the shopping videos that are direct to the customer that needs them. And B, bringing in the perfect item that they won't return, whether it's a chain for their mask, which we're starting to get into, whether it's an amazing bathrobe, whether it's an amazing pair of sweatpants. So I'm making an online play where it's really easy to buy versus sometimes a nice fitted blazer is you can't buy that online. You don't know if it's tall or it's slim or how it's going to feel and fit. And I don't recommend buying that stuff online at all. You know, you need to buy things that are easy fit online if you don't want to be disappointed.
0: No, I really like that. If you look at even e-commerce in general, where did did it really start? With books, (laughs) because it was because it was a pretty low risk, like risk of low return. And I, as a consumer, like I feel comfortable doing that. I've been challenged. I'm like, I need a pair of I need a pair of new running shoes, and I'm like, I got to go to the store because mm-hmm. I just like how would I order that and it just doesn't even seem like it's possible to me because I know I'll try on half a dozen pairs I, I also want that experience of that's why I go to the tech shop at the running room because they're yeah. gonna be like all right let's not look at brand let's walk you around let's see they're gonna give me that experience and yeah, I, that's right I buy a new set of shoes once a year but I know I want that experience and I very seldom even get the same brand twice because I, I become brand agnostic but I become the, like they're my brand experience
1: not the actual shoe I end up buying it's quite oh. interesting but yeah it's amazing when you have someone who actually knows what they're doing
0: it uh, so, yeah. when you're a kid who's like no I have to buy this brand because of it. Even if it's uncomfortable, I'm going to buy it because I'm into this thing now. Then you get older and you realize that's not what it's about.
1: <laughs> no, it, it's really, really not. You're, you're there for the experience <laughs> and you're there for what makes you feel good. And we've really, really noticed that on our side of the business too. It's, it's really not about the brand at all anymore.
0: So, But it's about the brand that you're creating. And I, yes. I, I love that, which yeah. is getting you like, kind of like who owns the customer. You guys own the customer because you're providing the experience that matters. The label becomes secondary. And I, that's where I love to hear that the power is in the right hands. Like to me, I think that's going to give the customer something better in the long run. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I'm thinking as we get into more e commerce and to do more things out the back door and all of that, I really see Calgary having to make that big change. You know, it's very strange. We've got one of the highest unemployment rates in Canada right now. Uh, so it's for me, I need to make sure I'm establishing at a price point. Like I can't go too low end because people have money, always have money. Right. But I also yes. need to establish that affordable. I've always said I'm affordable designer right in the middle there because I want to be able to give someone coming in a hundred dollar pair of jeans, a $40 top and a $60 completer piece and have them feel just as amazing as a person who spent 600, 200, 400.
0: And sometimes the people that have money, it's because they spend it Properly as well. Like there's two sides of that, though. Oh, the mo- people with money are always spending it. Why do you think they have it? <laughs> so there is a double there too. <laughs> yeah, and I exactly. think I think Calgary was there was a lot of years of money flew fl- flowed pretty freely, and I think people are being you know more conservative, and you know you see some of the savings rates. It's amazing how many people have been able to save through this pandemic too. The people that have been working their butt off, to your point, like it's a real interesting kind of paradigm with uh, the, the the different groups that have been affected by this, and some have actually saved more than they saved in years, which is a real interesting kind of. Sh- kind of counterbalance to the people that have not worked for seven months. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we've heard that. And they'll come to their mind. I've never had more money in my bank account because I'm not spending it. I'm not going out. I'm not going here. Yeah. I can't wait to come in and buy X, Y, and Z. And I was just like, really? Because here I am. This is right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I'm like, my own serve, my own on wage subsidy? What's happening? I've stopped my car payment. I've stopped my mortgage payment. I've stopped this. I've stopped that. I've just like, ah, <laughs> you know, I stopped my Spotify account because I was like, save the $10. Um, I
0: I know when we went through our business it was amazing how many little things you can strip over you're like if it's not necessary it's gone and you get to the end you're like oh my god how much money were we wasting over there that's ridiculous but that's and I
1: think that's what's going to really help businesses recover well if you really got into your business and you really stripped it away and you know why am I spending on this and why am I spending on this but that you really what's important to spend on we've noticed the exact same thing and I think coming out of that as sales start to increase we're set up to be a much more profitable company which feels good And we have to kind of like, I know we can't be like, oh yay, it's all amazing. And it's not, we have to be realistic. but,
0: but because we're, but we're, but it's, 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 it behooves you to make it amazing or find a way to make it amazing by, by, by solutioning. And like, you said it on the line before I think you even pushed record, do more with less. Like as a business, we've learned to do more with less. I've talked to so many other businesses, which arguably means a more efficient, leaner business. As long as you're, if as long as you're delivering and you're able, you're not compromising back to the supply chain. And like, I, I have less people, but now I'm taking three weeks. There's yeah. that fine line with like doing more with less while still providing an ultimate like a positive customer experience.
1: No, and and that's extremely important. And I'm just waiting for Calgary and the Alberta to start really saying d- to diversify. Like, why does Amazon put eight thousand tech? development jobs in Vancouver when no one can even afford to live there. Whereas in Calgary, we have an unbelievably educated workforce. We've got companies like critical mass right here in this building with Mm -hmm. tons of developers. Why is Amazon not looking here? What is our government doing wrong to not bring those great hundred thousand, eight thousand jobs of 92 to $160,000 a year? What's going wrong with the government that we can't start to attract that we have the talent. And like I, and it's funny watching my customers on Instagram moving to toronto off to montreal going a van i'm like what and it's because they're going where the technology is they they were oil and gas people let's be realistic but now they're like but i have a marketing background i have a business background i'm in business development i'm in sales and then they're they're really putting that and they're moving into tech and we just don't seem to be able to do that so i don't know if it's a municipal level or if it's a provincial level it's a combination of the two but we need to get better at that because we need more Of those types of jobs here, we need more of that high end because we do have such a great community. When people come to Calgary and they live here and they get to know their neighbors and they they go, wow, this is a really great place. It's the biggest little small town in all of Canada. (laughs) You
0: know? It is. It is fantastic. From The quality of life here is fantastic. There I have many guests on that talk about the tech ecosystem and that change that we're going through. And it's the right incentives, the right funding model, the right investors, the right talent. There's a lot of things. And, like, you know, to be honest, it's a solution we need today, but it's a 10 year, like we're on a 10 to 20 year kind of change up cycle. But the problem, the challenge is we have problems we need to solve today, but that whole ecosystem, like kind of wholesale becoming more of that tech, that tech place to be, I think it's just going to take longer than we all really have time or patience for right now.
1: Yeah. So we need to be able to keep people here with high paying jobs because you know, your engineers, your software engineers aren't going to go work at Walmart for the next 10 years, you know, waiting,
0: waiting for the magic to happen. No, No, they won't.
1: So it's going to be, that's, what's going to be really interesting. And that's what I really want to support. So the more that I can see those kind of jobs coming in here, that's what I'm going to be really more excited and can continue to kind of push up product and also push up a level of product, as well too. As far as you know, like if you're a tech guy, you can kind of be in cool sweatpants and you can be in cool this. And I, it's, a, it's
0: a whole cool, cool and cool. And your your uniform has a whole different living yes. set of paradigms, right?
1: Yeah, the guys that work at Google don't look like the guys you know that work in an accounting firm. And, and Yeah, they
0: work on ba- they work on Bay Street. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> but they've got the money to spend like the Bay Street guys, and I think that that's really interesting because it opens up a whole new level of product to us, and will make the town. Cooler, you know.
0: Yes, more more like some of the other towns you mentioned in that. What you just said, those three other options, just the diversity and the uniqueness of style and how it's embraced in those cities is very different than here. But we're on the right path
1: because oh, yes. of people
0: like you, Megan. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Obviously, your store online. What are your give me give me the list? What's I the I mean, rundown just the-
1: go on your Instagrams at SB Experience, your Facebooks at SB Experience, uh, website is SB Experience. I mean, we try to keep great. I see, I
0: see, I see a theme. <laughs>
1: to keep everybody in but we definitely would love people to come down and, and see us because it's so funny how many people you know 40,000 cars pass a day on 9th Ave and I have 160 feet of frontage or something stupid like that I have been driving by your store for years and I just this is the first time it came in and I'm like okay but every time I hear that Tyler I'm so thrilled because that means there's there's we can keep expanding that we have more customers that we can serve. And I go, wow. So we just haven't pe- maxed
0: out that 40,000 drive by yet. <laughs> no.
1: And so we just want people to keep coming in and keep spreading the message. And, and really that's what it, what it becomes down because it is, it is much nicer when you have an experience and then you tell your friend, I had an amazing experience and this was awesome. Yes. And I encourage every single person in Calgary to visit and support local retail, local restaurants, it really, really, really matters right now. It really matters. And I'm keeping every single dollar local. You will not see me in a Walmart. You will not see me in any of these big box. I mean, I'm down at, uh, down at the Crossroads Market. I, I buy my groceries at bite and I know it's slightly more expensive, but I don't care because it's really important to me that those people are there for me a year from now. And I think that we need to, because we're all buying a little bit less, maybe we can spend a little bit more. We're seeing that with capsule wardrobe. Well, We're back to the, with quality our clients. Over,
0: the quality over quantity. Concept. Yes. Like, do I, do I want hundred or something or do I want 60 of something really good? Yes. <laughs> I'll, take the, I'll take the
1: 60. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And that's hopefully what people are doing. And, and we have such a generous uh, group here in Calgary of customers of and uh, such a generous community. And I just love seeing everybody support local and really, really... Bring come together for for our businesses. We just need to continue to do that. So, I urge everybody to support every single local business. And if you're in Inglewood, definitely come down to SB and see it for yourself. It's uh it's a really fun. You, you'll feel it. You'll you'll really like your experience in the store.
0: I'll be honest. I haven't been in to see you for. I haven't been in for a couple of years. So you you are on my list of places to visit. So I'll be you seeing you soon. Because I like the to,
1: expansion yet.
0: No, I have not. It's yeah. been a while. So and, yeah. and and yes, I've driven by. I can check a lot of those boxes you just said. <laughs> so now I'm feeling slightly <laughs> shameful. So I will get my shit together. And- and come down for a proper, a proper visit, Megan. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I was, I love that was an amazing conversation. I love your energy, and I love what you're doing for our city. Keep it up.
1: Thanks so much, Tyler. Have a good one. My pleasure. Bye.